We're going to talk about a few things here tonight. I'll get get in and out of the I'll get in and out of the chute as quickly as I can, and you'll be able to drink a cup of warm milk and get all snuggled in at a reasonable hour. Someone said, "Praise the Lord." All right, Ephesians chapter four, and we're going to start reading in verse number eleven. Ephesians four and verse eleven. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. This is why. Look at verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That word perfect literally means complete. Complete. A perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children, and this probably applies to a few people here tonight, so listen up, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. There's always somebody on the job that tells you you don't have to speak in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost or something like that. And cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight about trusting God's instrumentation. Trusting God's instrumentation. Let's pray. Father, we love you, praise you. So thankful for your spirit, your word, these wonderful people of God that are here. Pray that you move among us. Talk to us tonight, Father. In a special measure, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Several weeks ago, um, I was on an airplane. And... At some point, we got into just total clouds and total fog. Could not see one thing out of the window. That used to, when I was unfamiliar, before I had developed a greater trust um, in aeronautics and pilots, learned to pray probably a little better. That used to bother me that you couldn't see anything out of the window. Um, and what was really remarkable is, is that we didn't see any land. There was nothing that was visible until we were just almost touching down on the runway. I, I don't want to say till we got on the runway. It was 
I don't know, maybe 100 feet, something like that. Um, and, you know, really, that is, a, that is a technological marvel that an airplane that weighs multiplied tons and carrying precious people can navigate through fog that is so thick you cannot, it's opaque, totally opaque. You cannot see any light, can't see anything. But yet, the minute that there's visibility, the wheels are down, we land successfully, and everybody arrives home with their loved ones and glad to be alive. The reality of it is, is that there was instrumentation that even the pilots themselves are dependent upon. Um, when there is no visibility, there is a mechanism called autopilot. You would probably be amazed, maybe even a little dismayed, really to find out how much the pilots really use autopilot. Um, but nonetheless, it can be trusted. And in the case that I just gave you, I'm thanking God that the instrumentation is trustworthy. I saw a little picture today of some guys who were driving next to a Tesla. I, I don't know. Everybody's got it in for Tesla. Um, you know, Elon Musk says he can get you to Mars. But if you'll just come a couple hundred yards closer, we can help you get to heaven. I'm sure somebody will tell Elon I said that. But um, there was a picture of two guys looking outside their vehicle, and they were looking at the neighboring vehicle, and there was a woman that was sound asleep, and her car was moving at 70 miles an hour. I am asking this congregation to not try that, please. For your sake and everybody else's sake. But Tesla is developing, uh, there's a man that preached here that was telling me um, that he gets a lot of paperwork done by putting his Tesla, he has a Tesla, he puts it on autopilot and he just, he doesn't even look at the road. He just does whatever he's doing. And, uh, hey, I don't own one, okay? I'm not going to say I won't, but uh, it'd be nice that when I do my texting, I don't have to worry about driving. And everybody said, praise the Lord. What I'm trying to say is we trust all kinds of instrumentation already in our lives. We just do. We, um, we are indoctrinated in our culture to begin trusting the doctor. Um, and so on and so forth. The kingdom of God has instrumentation as well. Looking at this particular text that I read in your hearing in verse number 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors 
and teachers. This is known as the five-fold ministry. Somebody made the observation that that is like five fingers in the right hand of God. I don't know if that is true or not. It sounds good. But this is definitely the five-fold ministry. In verse number 8, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Virtually every single biblical expositor and studier of the word of God believes that these gifts is the five-fold ministry that I read in your hearing. There's definitely spiritual gifts. They're enumerated in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. However, the gifts that was specifically being talked about by Jesus are detailed in verse number 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That is God's instrumentation. And one of the things that is a real challenge for people that are not believers is the fact that God uses fallible people. That's exactly right. God uses fallible people. And God also requires that people submit, take heed, and listen to human beings. Okay? Um, I'm not getting very many amens, but that's okay, because I know you're listening. Um, and in any other situation in life, that really might be a problem. But there are so many checks, and we're going to talk about this tonight. There are so many checks and balances in the real church and in the kingdom of God that you really can learn to trust God's instrumentation. It is the will of God that you trust God's instrumentation. Now, I want to just show you real quick in our text here tonight why that is critical, okay? Look at this in verse number 12. This is why God's instrumentation is a necessity, okay? For the perfecting of the saints. It is required in this, God already knows that people are fallible. God already knows this. God already knows that there is not one human being that is perfect. And God is going to judge all. He's going to judge the five-fold ministry a lot harsher. The book of James tells us to be not many instructors because we're going to face the greater judgment. And so there are checks and balances in all of this, but you cannot become complete without the interaction of God's instrumentation. Now, the reason why I think that that is a 
particularly great challenge is because in the 21st century, you have so many people that are there, like I said, that we are shifting in our culture away from faith to intellectualism. People already think that they're smart. They already think they have an inside track. Because God's instrumentation has an elevated calling, God designed it that way. That is not an elevated position of superiority. They're, they're not any better than anybody else. But in the, in the divine equation of God's calling and God's placing, they are in an elevated position like the book of Ezekiel talks about the watchman on the wall. They are endued by God with a level of giftedness and anointing because of that office where they're privy to information that the laity is not. Now, this is a real struggle for some people. I didn't design this, okay? Don't look at me like I'm the Lone Ranger up here, okay? Tano is nowhere around, and high O silver is gone. It's just me and the microphone. But see, you have to accept this if you're going to be made complete. God uses people that are fulfilling God-called offices to perfect other people. That is a huge challenge in the 21st century. But if you'll notice, I entitled this tonight, Trusting God's instrumentation. I don't care how long it takes you as long as you arrive at the location of trust. And all of us only have so much life. And so God can only amortize this process over so much time in our life. So I advise you to get on board as quickly as possible. If the preacher makes a mistake, you let God take care of him. You don't put your hand on him. To the person that does that, and I'm not, I'm not minimizing that process like, like we should expect that. We should, we should expect the man of God to be trustworthy. We should expect that ministry is, is not hypocritical. We should expect that they are doing the same thing that they're preaching to everybody else, maybe even more so. Those are some of the safeguards of being able to build trust. But God has designed this in such a way. Listen, I know God's sovereign, but God doesn't do anything without the interaction or participation of at least one person. God could have wiped the whole thing out and started a brand new world over with perfect people. He said, that's not what I want. I want to work with an imperfect world so that there can be a savior, so that people can do this out of a free will, so they can believe in me, although they haven't seen me. They will love me, although they haven't seen me. And then when they see me, we will spend eternity together. Clap your hands and give God the praise. It is impossible 
to get where you want to go without you trusting God's instrumentation. So the first thing that's mentioned here is the perfecting of the saints. The word perfect, as I've already mentioned, because it's used twice, means completion, to bring to an end. For the work of the ministry, there are many biblical expositors that believe that that phrase, when you parse out those words, it literally means the work of your ministry, which means the fivefold ministry is to create an environment to where you come up to a place to where God is now using you. For the work of their ministry, let's continue to read this verse. For the edifying, the building up, the strengthening of the body of Christ. Now, this is a real challenge. And every time some great religious leader falls or fails or is proven to be an imposter, it has a residual effect. It has a rippling effect that affects everybody, whether it's people that come to an apostolic church, it might be just a guy sitting in his house that is as lost as, as a snowball in the weeds, but he doesn't have a chance because the propaganda that is reverberated from our world is reverberating and reinforcing to him, I can't trust a preacher. But yet you've gotta have a preacher for without a preacher, how shall they hear? And how shall they believe that which they have not heard? So it takes a preacher to be saved. And if the world and the devil can work together and collaborate together to where the world cannot trust a preacher, I want to tell you, when you come around a genuine apostolic church, you can believe in God's instrumentation. I'm not saying there's, they're perfect. But there's a certain criteria that has been reached by God and headship that they're now qualified. Most of the problem is not that people were not called. It's that somewhere in the process, it didn't come to completion. You can't get, away, you can't get around it. You can't be validated without it. You can leave one pastor and look for somebody to validate you, but God knows. You cannot leave wrong and arrive right. I want to leave right. I want to arrive right. I want to go from faith to faith and victory to victory and anointing to anointing. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Now, I have, I have one pastor. He is still my pastor. I love my pastor. I've come to love him on a personal level, but there's something far above. And this is the challenge with some people, is you have to stay, you have to keep a separation. Actually, this is the responsibility of the ministry, even more than it is the laity, that you cannot allow people to get familiar with you, because that endangers them. 
because familiar, familiarity breeds contempt. And the more familiar that, that, that you allow people uh, to become with you, it, 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 it reduces their reverence and their respect. I'm, this is true whether you say amen or not. That's why you can't say, well, I don't know what's up with this pastor. He doesn't want to go to the coffee shop every week and he doesn't want to run all the week. Listen, you just leave me alone because I'm watching for your soul. Some people say, I need a nice guy pastor, I can't do it. No, that's your personality type and that's your personality preference. Whether he's a nice guy or not, I've gotta have a man of God. I gotta have a man that's called. I gotta have a man that's sent. I gotta have a man that's anointed. I need a man that's a giant killer. I need a man that can bring conviction. I need a man that can bring a move of God. I need a man. You better get your personal preference out of it. Because God may send you somebody that you would not normally choose and expect you to harness your feelings. And in not doing it, you're going to disqualify yourself for what God really wanted to do in your life. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, there are challenges to this trust. Oh, what I was talking about, my pastor. I, I love my pastor on a personal level, and they, you know, we go out to eat, we laugh, and all this kind of stuff. But underneath all that, there's a little sentry at his guard post. Well, I, was, I was talking to um, a guy here years ago. He's a pastor. And he said, hey, uh, is is Nate is Nate coming over? I said, Nate. Who are you talking about? You know, he says, you know, Nate, Nate Wilson, your pastor. It was this guy's pastor too. From that point forward, I put a little check by his name. You don't ever call your pastor by his first name. I have never called my pastor by his first name. I don't care how many trips to the Holy Land we take and how much, how much Kentucky Fried Chicken is coming out of our ears. That is my pastor. That is Brother Wilson to me. That is far too precious and far too valuable. It is a carnal, it's a carnal religious mentality that wants to get the man of God on his level. No, no, no. You let that, you leave that man of God. I need him on the wall. If you see something in my life, I don't need you playing games and being soft. I want, I'm losing some of you, and that's part of the issue, is, is, is we can't get, we're just sitting back, we can't ever be used, we can't get involved, because we're eternally wounded. When we need to be healed, and we need to be getting down the road so God can use us. This is apostolic. All this real soft stuff, it's, it's coming in the back door and some of this stuff. And I'm... Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you guys? Well, I got, I got my license right here. It's all the devil needs. Some guy he can strip now. You better have a lot more going on the ball. 
both Jesus and Paul were submitted. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. The reason why Saul couldn't kill the giant, he was not submitted. David was submitted to the prophets, submitted to the king, submitted to his brethren, submitted to his father, submitted to his siblings, but he would not submit to a giant. Saul wasn't submitted to the prophet, wasn't submitted to the priest, wasn't submitted, uh, not, not submitted, not submitted, not submitted, not submitted, but he's hiding from an unclean giant. <laughs> imperiling an entire race of people. Let's talk about this trust for a minute. I'm extremely blessed. My wife and I have the exact same pastor. She's had the same pastor her whole life, and I've had the same pastor my entire spiritual life. I really believe that's the way it, it ought to be in a, in a perfect scenario. Because my pastor knows the good, the bad, and the ugly of Rick Mayo. I am not some model of Pentecostal perfection up here. I got back up. This is why I'm trying to help people here get back up. Your little excuses are not going to disqualify. In fact, you're going to have to give an account. I put you in the right church. I put you with the right pastor. I put you in the right group. I expected you to get up. I expected you to get better. I expect. Don't be blaming that on the church. Don't be blaming that on your brothers and sisters. Don't be blaming that on what happened to you in your life. There's things that have happened to people in this building that would make you blush. But they are here, and they're lifting their hands, and they're on their feet, and they're magnifying God. And they want perfection. Perfection is not sitting on a pew for the work of their ministry. I'm really trying to help us. Most of the trouble that happens in churches are from people that moved around a lot and now have no more trust in spiritual leadership, no matter how authentic they are. Because with every new pastor, it takes that much longer for you to develop the kind of trust that's really needed so you can recede on an apostolic level. And if you've had a whole series and there's been baggage in a whole series, it takes that much longer to get your faith to the level where God can really talk to you and you respond to where God can produce the perfection that he really saw in your life when he called you. Pastor, what do we do about this? Just... Learn to trust me. Well, I don't know if I can trust this pastor. This building's not in my name. You go back and tell all the critics, there's not one thing here that's in Pastor Mayo's name. When I'm six feet under and I'm a street of gold with the Lord, it'll be the next pastor that's pastoring this building.
and I don't even know who that is yet. But this stays with Cornerstone. I did this with all my heart, all my might, all my strength, all my effort, all my nights, all my days, everything. So that your children can have a school, so that we can have Bible quizzing, so that we can have great revival, so that we can all be blessed, so you can find your ministry, so you can find what you're looking for. Somebody clap your hands and give God all the praise and all the glory. I think you can trust this one. He's a giant killer. He's not afraid to go higher. He's not afraid to give more. He's not afraid to sacrifice. Somebody go ahead and clap your hands and give God all the praise. You may be seated. And if you've had negative experiences with pastors, you better have a real deep walk with God that you can catch yourself from projecting. Because this pastor may get in there and touch some of that stuff. Sometimes it it can just be volume. And it reminds somebody. Or the tone of my voice. My wife, honey, how come you're so intense? You wouldn't want me if I wasn't intense. I would be a different person. Tomorrow we'll all be playing bingo. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There will be a knitting-a-thon on Friday. You wouldn't like me. I couldn't do it. I just got to be me. But see, that's who God called was me. That's who God anointed was me. That's who God sent was me. God didn't want a fabrication, some apostolic Pentecostal fabrication that was trying to mimic somebody that was anointed. No, I got to have my own anointing. I got to have my own prayer life. I got to be able to put the devil to flight all by myself. But people that have been seriously wounded, and I, I want you to know I'm, in your, I'm on your side tonight. I'm for you. But by the grace of God, this pastor's not going to do that to you. I'll do my very best not to let that happen. I'm not afraid to say I'm sorry. I'm not afraid to humble myself. I'm not afraid to make things right. But you got to be very careful that you don't project the woundedness that you had towards leadership and project a certain criteria or a personal preference or prejudice on me. I really think that after people have been in the church for a while, they should be involved. We've got all kinds of things to be involved in here. And the reason why some people are not involved is because, A, they're not at a spiritual level yet. They're still trying to figure out if they really want to do this. Or, two, they're still healing. 
I understand both of those. You just stay there as long as you need to. But you're never going to be perfect until you have purpose. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. And it's a leader that will keep creating those areas for you to find your purpose. Not the purpose you choose, the purpose that God chooses. Come on, let's praise him. Trusting God's instrumentation. It's a big deal. Come on, let's pray a little bit right here. I'm trying to help some folks. Maybe the last pastor brutalized you. I, by the grace of God, I will never, ever, ever do that to you. The people I've ran out of here needed to be ran out of here. I've only, in, in 29 years of ministry, there's only been one time I've, I've had to tell a person to get out of this church. I probably should have done it to a few more, but I just, you know, mercy rejoices against judgment. But every once in a while, you get some super spiritual people that come in, and they go from this pastor to this pastor to this pastor to this pastor, and sometimes they never, they never catch on to really what the problem was. The problem really was, I simply didn't trust the pastor. I always thought I was more spiritual. You get, when, when you find somebody in the pew that thinks they're more spiritual than a man filling an office, get as far away from that person. They are deceived. And I promise you, I'll guarantee you those kind of people are not involved. They're not teaching Sunday school. They're not involved in one aspect of the church. But they're so spiritual. This scripture right here defines really being spiritual. We're on the process of being made complete so I can discover my ministry. For the building, the strengthening, the edifying of the body of Christ. We have three full-time pastors that have already come out of this church. It's about time we put out another three. I was just minding my own business at the Rock Church. I just got became a licensed, California licensed painting contractor. My first child was just born. I was the outreach director of the Rock Church. I, just, I loved it, giving Bible studies, working with people. On a, on a midweek service, it was Wednesday night. It was midweek service at the Rock Church. There's probably, I don't know, a few more people than what's here. And my pastor just came to the pulpit and he said, Brother Rick Mayo, I was sitting right about where Brother Corey Loomis is. Brother Rick Mayo, the Holy Ghost just spoke to me, said, you're supposed to start evangelizing. So I completed all of my, my contracts. My wife and I bought a secondhand F-250 and a secondhand trailer. 
and we remodeled that thing. We just, we just loved it. I got a flat tire with that thing before I got out of across the county line, right about in Lodi. And I thought, oh, Jesus, what am I in for? But I'd been sitting there for seven years. I wanted the will of God. I wanted to be complete. I wanted to be what God called me to be. I never dreamed just sitting there. I wasn't cut out for that. And I trusted God's instrumentation explicitly. And because of that, there's been an apostolic succession from my pastor down to me. Trusting God's instrumentation. I know there's pastors driving around with 24 karat hubcaps and a diamond ring on each finger. And they'll prophesy to you whatever you, they think you want to hear. This one here is to bring conviction. To bring separation, foster holiness, worship and praise. You can tell everybody wants this occupation, Brother Davies, because everybody's signing up for it. But when I got saved very, very early on, I just, I said, God, I'll do anything you asked me to do. And I'll go anywhere. And I'll do anything. And I'm not complaining, I'm blessed. I'm a blessed man. I'm blessed because I get to pastor you. Now, some people help me pray. Some people help me weep, and some people help me rejoice. But I love it all. Trusting God's instrumentation. Pastor, you got an axe to grind? Not really. You mad at anybody? No. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed? I can't. The dog's on the other side of the bed. Dude, I only got one side. I've started to get jealous of that dog. I'm thinking about maybe getting a permanent and getting down on all fours. and I'm just having fun. God's instrumentation can have fun. But underneath all that, see, I'm, I'm the one holding the microphone and preaching and you're nodding and everybody here knows this is the truth. But right under the surface, you're as strong as steel and you got a made-up mind. 
and you're absolutely convinced there's only one way to go and I'm on it. And every lying devil in this world is not. When, when you're having a bad day, just come into church and pray, God, turn that pastor loose. Because I promise you, I get to go and I'm going to find that devil and chase him out of your backyard and get him out of you. If you'll just pray and just turn that pastor loose. Jesus' name. Come here, Miles. This guy right here. Oh, you got your own. I am not going to leave for him a dead church. I promise on my grave. I'll not leave for him a compromised church. A church that's starting to let go of the time-tested, old-time, what? no, 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 no. I didn't get in this thing to let any strong personalities and voices intimidate me and make me give up on things. That They are depending on us. They're depending on you. They're depending on you to pray. They're depending on you to fast. They're depending on you to have revival. They're depending on you to be separated. They're depending on you to, to be holy. Trust. God's instrumentation. It's getting dark out there. Man, this transgender drag queen spirit's taking over the world under this administration. Not here. Oh, we love them and want to see them saved, but we, not that stuff, that, that nonsense out there, that ends at the threshold of that front door. You hear that? This is God's property. You're God's property. Your children, oh my God, I feel it on me now. Well, pastor, we didn't come here to hear this tonight. I don't care what you thought you were going to hear. This is what the Holy Ghost, as long as you can trust, the sooner you trust God's instrumentation, you're going to watch things change in your life. And don't be like that perpetual person that can't ever seem to get over themselves because we got plenty of blood. We got plenty of spirit. But we're running out of time. And your window and my window is closing every second, every minute of every day to be processed to completion. There's an incredible scripture. I want to go through it real quick, then we're going to go home. Second Kings chapter number six, start in verse number one. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elijah, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Next verse. Let us go, we pray, unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam. Let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. They're in a building program. The man of God is there. The people that are working are there. Some people call them the sons of the prophets. Go to the next verse. 
And one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thee. Thy servants answered, I will go. Next verse. Watch this. So he went with them, and when they came down to Jordan, they cut down wood. They were all working together. It was unity. Next verse. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. Everything, everything in my life is from God. The only thing I, I possess, Brother King James, is my will. Everything else is a residual effect of exercising my will properly. His cutting edge, his giftedness, his effectiveness has now been lost. Go to the next verse. And the man of God said, where did you lose it? I'm going to show you the importance of trusting God's instrumentation. He lost his cutting edge. He lost his purpose. He lost his effectiveness. And rather than just sit there, he said, something's different. Something's different. The man of God said, where did you lose it? The answers could be varied. I quit praying. I quit fasting. You know, I got this job, and I'm getting all caught up with some of the people working there, and I'm getting all messed up, and the excuses, yada, 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 yada. The people are now just sitting there when God brought them here to be processed so they could find their own ministry and thereby building up and edifying the body of Christ. He showed the man of God where he lost it. The man of God cut down a stick. And he put the end of the stick in the water. The saint did his part. Now God instrumentation is doing his part. And the iron did swim. Go to the next verse. Therefore said he, take it up. There it is. Pick it up. It's not God's instrumentation's responsibility to pick it up for you. I was just one little part of the equation that brings the miraculous into your life. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I can't do your praying for you. I can't do, I'll fast with you, I'll pray with you. I can't do all that for you. But when the miracle is in sight, it's your responsibility to do your part. And he recovered his cutting edge. Now I want to say a couple things here, and then we're going to move to our last example. We're going to pray a little bit. And you can go home and have a ham sandwich before you crawl into bed. 
with your warm glass of milk and fuzzies, Ugg slippers. If you see me preaching in Ugg slippers, it means I have a foot injury. But oh, how I love Ugg slippers. Okay, everybody listen. Do this to the person sitting right next to you unless they're an elder. All right. Listen, I have a style of working with people. It's kind of humorous. It's kind of sarcastic. If it rubs you wrong, would you please tell me? Is your name Georgie? That's what I thought. See what I'm saying? You'll be preaching before the end of the month. Get ready. What? God brought him here to be processed. Aren't you just interested in getting a tithing envelope? No, I got a job to do. I didn't come here to get rich. Don't leave, please. That's Brother Kenneth and Sister Melanie. We love them. They're going to see their baby right now that's still in Sacred Heart. Let's say a prayer for that baby right now. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, keep your hand on that precious baby. Strength, virtue, and just a few days, God, let that baby go home with those parents. And we'll rejoice and run the aisles and give you all the praise in Jesus. Yalamayanda. Hallelujah. If the pastor offends you, let me know. I'm not vindictive. I won't take a bunch of stupid pot shots at you from the pulpit. That would be grossly unfair. You're sitting out there with a pea shooter and I got a bazooka up here. That's not exactly, it's just wrong. Because I'm more interested in you receiving from me and you can't receive from me if I've offended you. All right, I can move on. I'm just telling you that's okay. I'm, I'm approachable. Pastor, you offended me. What did I do? Uh, just about every time you grab a microphone, I get offended. <laughs> Sorry, brother. We're, put a bunch of cotton in your ears like all the people sitting over there. <laughs> now I just offended 80 people. I'm sorry. So we just go back and forth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am more interested in you being able to receive what God has for you through me than having some silly little something against me that could be rectified by just talking to me. Is that okay? I've never heard a pastor do this, but I'm doing it because I, I, I want to keep the communication clear. Is that all right? All those that have cotton in your ears say amen.
you've got to have, you've got to be able to trust God's instrumentation. Because it is the agency of liberation. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 24, please. Let's all read this, then we're going to go home. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. I'm going to tell you what used to happen to me. When we moved into that building across the street, that's when I really discovered a major way that the devil was attacking me. Way back on Monday or Tuesday, he'd just show somebody's face. And the de- that's how the devil starts problems. That person hadn't done one thing. There's a lot of that going on here tonight. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. God, the devil shows you that person's face and, and, and then says something they did. It's not even true. Trying to get your attention away from the blessings, away from the power, away from the goodness. And if you don't pray deeply, you'll never discover it. If you're, if you're a person that prays deep, you're going to catch on to it and realize, you lying devil, I'm going to pray for my brother right now. I'm going to pray God blesses him. I'm going to pray God crowns him. He ought to with an anointing from God. A lot of church trouble has started through the years because people just don't discover how the devil works. But the devil used to start that on me. Maybe there was already an existing problem. I mean, the pastor hears everything. So don't think that you can get away with it because be sure your sin will find you out. But way back on Monday or Tuesday, the devil will come to me and just start working on me. What is he trying to do? He's trying to sabotage Sunday. He's trying to sabotage me getting into that posture. I want you to see this. This is a revelation of scripture right here. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, that word peradventure is an old English word. They don't even use it. I love the word, but they don't even use it. It means maybe, might, if, possibly. If God might give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. How are they going to get the acknowledging of the truth? Through the pastor. Well, if the pew is offended by the pulpit, the devil's got them right where they want and they ain't never going to get free. He's in control of a whole church service. Go to the next verse, please. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him as well. There's four parties involved. Only three know what's really going on. People sitting in the pews that God is wanting to liberate in that service. They're captives. Number two, the devil has taken those people captive by his will because of stupid things, they're carnal, they're not praying, whatever. But God loves them. They're still in the body. God knows what's going on. The devil knows what's going on. The pew doesn't have a clue what's going on. But that servant of the Lord has got to know what's going on. And when he steps to that pulpit, he has got to model and mold himself to where he is completely out of the way. And now it's God against the devil. 
And if you lift your hand and say, that's good preaching, you're preaching to me, God says, give that man repentance so he can get free. And now I don't have to come down and lay a hand on you. You absolutely get free from the snare of the devil just because your attitude with God's instrumentation is right. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Let's stand. Trusting. If I was looking for a church, I would not be looking for a program. I would not be looking for this beautiful gymnasium we got over here. We, we just now are getting that. There's a lot of things we have now we, didn't, we haven't never had before. The thing I'd be looking for, the number one thing, can I trust God's instrumentation to speak into my life? at the level and the depth of where I'm really at and where I really live and where I really need God. Let's lift our hands. Let's give God the praise. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, open up the windows of heaven. Pour out a liberation, spirit of unity in this place. Your power, your spirit, your glory all of the great and glorious things that you've given to the church, God. Let us experience this together by the authority of the name of Jesus. All right. Everybody happy? Okay. Let's shake hands, be friendly, go home and have a ham sandwich and put your Ugg slippers on. In Jesus' name. <laughs>